Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast for the Daughters of St. Paul. My name is Sister Oriane Pietra Rene. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. And today, we are diving into the Sanctifier. Chapter 14, the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been so excited for a chapter. It's my favorite. (laughs) This is just your daily episodic reminder that if you don't have the book, don't panic. Um, This is not a read-through. You do not need the book. But if this is inspiring you to read it because you want to get to know the Holy Spirit better or to delve into Martinez's insights better or pray with this alongside your Bible, please feel free. Okay, so I love Jesus. Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) And I don't mean for that to sound flippant. I think that the fact that this chapter is entitled The Holy Spirit Brings Us to Jesus really epitomizes, A, how we even got to know the Holy Spirit in the first place, Mm -hmm. because he was around since the beginning, Mm -hmm. but the revelation of him actually came last in that trinity. Yeah, like in the beginning, he moves over the waters. Mm Mm-hmm. But we don't really know anything about him until the end. Yeah. And actually, Sister Benedicta, before we jump in, can I just say the very first inkling Mm -hmm. or glimpse we get of the Trinity actually is chapter one, Genesis. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. As you're saying, because the father is there, right, creating. He creates through the word and the spirit is there hovering over the water. So we actually see there's that that ancient understanding of is being there from the very beginning. And since we're talking about creation and light and darkness, one of the very first paragraphs of chapter 14 says, In a beam of sunshine, there are light, heat, and energy, which can be separated, studied, and utilized, though they are actually one in their natural state. In the same way, devotion to the three divine persons must form a single supernatural reality. Although when passing through the prism of our limited understanding, each seems separate, adapting itself to the imperfection of our intelligence, which is unable to embrace the whole in one single glance. Mm. So just to clarify, he's not making that as a metaphor for the Trinity itself, but to our devotion to each member of the one God, right? That's so funny. That's the first thing I wanted to say, too. Right. Just (laughs) just to put it out there. (laughs) We're not dividing the Trinity into like three modes or something. That's called modalism and it's a heresy. (laughs) But our devotion takes like different different forms within us. And Mm -hmm. so that that, it's kind of a cool analogy for that. I like that. Yeah. And and I like how he talks about the imperfection of our intelligence because Mm -hmm. it's it's not he's not saying that we're dumb, but he is saying we all naturally have limits to our own understanding. Yeah. And our own ability to conceptualize things. Mm-hmm. That's normal. That's human. And in, a, in order to really be able to grasp the fullness of God, we have to understand that he is bigger than our own mind. And that we will actually never grasp the fullness of God. Right. Yeah. The grasping really is in the possession. It's not necessarily an understanding and analyzing and dissecting every single little right. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love just the title of this chapter, the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus, Mm -hmm. in part because so often in this book, Martinez just refers to Christ 
Yes. He very rarely uses Jesus' name. I mean, not rarely, but he more frequently just refers to Christ right. and doesn't use Jesus' name as frequently. And there's something, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just like a big softy or romantic or something, but there's something <laughs> about the name of Jesus. Yeah. I know that's true. That is objectively true. That just has a sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about just the title that makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of the Holy Spirit bringing us to Jesus. The idea, honestly, of anyone or anything bringing us to Jesus. The idea of just going to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, of coming closer to Jesus. There's something, I'm pausing because there's something really beautiful and sweet and attractive about that. Mm-hmm. And I can also, as I was saying that, I was also realizing that there are moments when that's true for me and there are moments when that's a little bit not true for me. Maybe mm-hmm. it's scary or intimidating. So um, so it's not to negate anybody's experience of that not being an invitational feeling or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, phrase. But just to say that like it can be, it can be a really beautifully invitational, even a little bit romantic phrase. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important thing to take a step back and look at too, because it's easier for us to see how people or things or circumstances bring us to Jesus and realizing that there's actually a person behind it, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, at the very beginning of our of, of the incarnation, Mary brings Jesus to Elizabeth and John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right? Um, at the nativity, a star brought the, the magi to Jesus. Angels brought the shepherds to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry, like Andrew brings people constantly to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's a really great role model for that in uh, in for us in that actually. But it's it's harder to conceptualize the fact that behind each of those acts, whether they were human or part of the natural order, whether they were you know, done with perfect love or somewhat begrudgingly, like we never really know the circumstances or the full dispositions of anyone in these circumstances. But behind each impetus to bring us to Christ, quietly, hiddenly lies the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And part of the beauty of that is just that that is, it is the delight of the Holy Spirit to bring us to Jesus. Yeah. It is the delight of Jesus to show us the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the delight of both to point to the Father. It's the delight of the Father to point to the Son. Like all of this is just because the Trinity is love, mm-hmm. right? And that loving relationship that each person of the Trinity has with each other, they want to draw us into. Yes. God wants to draw us into his interior life. And it delights him to do that. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful moment in scripture where it's post-resurrection, but it's before the ascension. And Jesus comes to his apostles and he breathes on them. Mm -hmm. This is before Pentecost and says, receive the Holy Spirit, which is then gifted at Pentecost, right? And I, I love that moment because there is something in breath that reminds us what the origin of the gift of the Holy Spirit really is. Mm-hmm. So it's not common that people breathe on us on purpose, <laughs> right? The The first time— We usually ask them to back off. Yeah, like, do. I feel you breathing down my neck. Back away. But the first time we see that breath gifted to someone is when God breathes life into Adam, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 
if we look at that and we see that life-giving breath of God into us, and then we parallel that with some human experiences where breathing really is done on purpose within the context of intimacy. So like a parent might breathe on the wound of a child, like they might blow, Mm -hmm. right? If you have a cut or if you've burnt yourself, the parent might blow on that to make it feel better, Mm -hmm. right? There's a healing act in that. If you watch Korean dramas, it's like this huge trope. (laughs) It just makes me laugh every time where like the helpless girl (laughs) will get some kind of very minor injury, like a paper cut. And the love interest will like get polysporin and put it on the paper cut and then blow on it (laughs) and then put a Band-Aid on. I have to admit, blowing on a wound is not something I've ever considered or done. Oh, yeah. My mom used to do that when we burnt ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, But it was, it's really seen, the reason it's seen as a romantic gesture in, in that context of a Korean drama trope is because it's kind of paralleling that intimacy of a parent, like that unconditional love that you would receive from a parent. Mm-hmm. And when someone steps up and, and does that for you, with they're not seeing that it's weird. They're just caring about you. There, there's no strings. All your inhibitions are down. Mm. That is a really beautiful indication of a selfless love, right? Of a love that gifts and is not concerned with self. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes when siblings are goofing around, they will tease each other by like pretending to cough on each other or like whatever, right? That's a little Mm -hmm. bit less of a loving act. But nevertheless, um, it always is pointing back to a familial place of life and belonging, really, and of healing and Mm -hmm. and of bonds. So when Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit is gifted to them at Pentecost to dwell in them truly, That is an act, again, going back to that mutual possession, of belonging on both sides, right? It's pointing to the fact that not only has Jesus said to them, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends, but it's a gift of adoption. Mm -hmm. It's saying you are now truly in every sense, whether you are descended from Abraham biologically or not, in every sense of the word, you you are our family. We are family. Martinez actually quotes, um, yeah, St. Thomas Aquinas from the Summa, where he says explicitly, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of adoption insofar as we receive from him the likeness of the natural son who is the begotten wisdom. Mm. And he's also talking about how St. Paul in Romans says, you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, right, or as daughters, by virtue of which we cry, Abba, Father. And that through the Spirit, we pronounce the name of Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That's from 1 Corinthians. To cry to the Father is to have knowledge of our filiation, our sonship, our daughtership, and to feel in our innermost being the tenderness of children. Yeah, and then he goes on, to say Lord Jesus is not simply to pronounce with our lips that most sweet name, but to utter it in the intimacy of our souls as the fruit of our contemplation, as a cry of love from our heart. And I love that that idea of the name of Jesus coming forth from us mm-hmm. as the fruit of our contemplation. Yeah. Like that because we come to know who he is, because the Holy Spirit reveals to us in our prayer who Jesus really is, that 
then we can't help but want to say his name. Mm-hmm. We can't help but want to make him present with us. Right. And and I love that so much. And I love, too, that, you know, the first time I ever really felt like I had, like, an affinity or a love for the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. was when I realized that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that confers the Eucharist. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. the priesthood of the priest participating in the priesthood of Jesus, yes, but also it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And because my, like, reversion to the faith and my my um, coming to know Jesus really came through the Blessed Sacrament, mm. like, all of a sudden that was really meaningful for me. Like, yeah. that was that was like, oh, the Holy Spirit actually makes this possible. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I can't remember where I read it or who I heard it from, but I remember at one point somebody referring to the Holy Spirit as like almost kind of like the best man who introduces (laughs) us to our spouse, right? (laughs) I really like that. And Uh, I kind of love that. Yeah, yeah. because it's like he he is like a very dear, close friend who introduces us to the beloved of our soul. Mm. It's not for that reason any less beloved, but we have a different relationship with Jesus who took on flesh, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's... That's part of the reason he took on flesh was so that we could have a different kind of relationship with him. But this gift of the Holy Spirit that is this kind of introduction, setting us up on this blind date with this guy he knows is going to be perfect for us, (laughs) right? Like there's something about that that makes him very sweet to me. Mm. It's, It's almost like this role that he has of bringing us to Jesus is the thing that most makes me feel close to him. Mm -hmm. I think that really brings out to the humility of God, Mm -hmm. right? We often talk about the humility of Jesus, but very rarely do we understand the humility of God as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. Of the Father, of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit truly is probably the most hidden in many senses of the Trinity simply because we have very little scope of reference to understand what he quote unquote looks like, Mm -hmm. right? We know what a father should look like. We know what a human man looks like when Jesus took on flesh, right? We know that part. The Holy Spirit is so much more enigmatic. He's like the wind. He's like a dove. He's like fire. He's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like none Mm -hmm. of those three things really go together. Yeah. Rushing flood. Like how do fire and flood belong together? Right. That's confusing. Extinguish each other. (laughs) And it's really fascinating Mm -hmm. because he, in a sense, he is the hardest for us to put words to that sit consistently with our human experiences Mm -hmm. and yet and yet it's almost the opposite in some ways because there is this natural intuition of at some point in our faith journey being able to see oh my goodness I never really understood why I I felt that or or why I took that step or what gave me the the guts to be able to decide to walk into a church for the first time Mm -hmm. and when you realize the common denominator (laughs) And all of those things really was the impetus of the Holy Spirit. He's like the thing that makes everything click into place. Yeah. Yeah. As um, I know I've shared this story on the podcast before, but the first time I ever really realized who God was and kind of like how he wanted to be in relationship with me, mm-hmm. I had begun to sort of understand like what the Eucharist was and I had started to kind of pray and I had not totally wrapped my mind and heart like around it all yet, but Mm -hmm. knew that that's where I wanted to be. And so um, I was in college and I was praying a lot in the chapel, the campus ministry center. And it's not that I necessarily knew like why I was going to be there or what I was supposed to do when I went, 
Um, and sometimes I would just kind of maybe even distract myself a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I would just spend some time there trying to understand things or whatever. And so I remember picking up, I was in the chapel with the Blessed Sacrament. And I remember just kind of like reading through the Gospel of John, still trying to wrap my head around why all this stuff felt attractive to me. Mm-hmm. And I got to um, the part in John chapter six, where he says, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I already at that point knew that I felt more attracted to Jesus than to the father for sure. Sure. And but that did something in me that kind of tenderized me a little bit toward the father. Mm-hmm. Like the father has been drawing me like here I am in this chapel with the blessed sacrament, which I'm coming to kind of believe is maybe Jesus. And then Jesus is saying that I can't even be here unless the father's drawn me. Mm-hmm. And really, like, looking back, like, I could see all the different ways that the Father throughout my entire life had been drawing me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a a couple years later that I really started to realize that that moment where I started to kind of understand the Father's heart for me was actually so completely permeated by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Blessed Sacrament was only there because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of John only exists because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Somehow I was drawn to go to that chapel to pick up that Bible and to read that passage and to understand it. Yes. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And how like quietly gentle and like staying in the background he was yeah, while is. still being super powerful mm-hmm. and really effective. And so I just I love that as like part of the image of this humility that you're pointing to because he's not interested in like fanfare. No. He's not interested in like getting the credit. He's interested in love and he's interested in us coming to glorify the Father and to imitate Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always used to call him the mover and the shaker. Mm. <laughs> like he just gets things done. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love how uh, Martinez goes back to chapter six a little bit. He points back and he's like, we're not going to talk about this a whole lot, but we talked about the divine artist and how you know, Christification's a thing and we got to become like Jesus. And he's like, but we used this this image of the artist with the canvas and the marble and the whatever. And he's like, it, that's not quite right. Yeah. He's like, now that we've set that up, here's yeah. the problems with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he points out that the canvas and the marble have no free will. Yes. And they have no participation in the art. Whereas we <laughs> have, what does he say? He says, on the other hand, so he talks about the powerlessness of the marble, and he says, on the other hand, the soul in which the divine artist works has knowledge and love. It can receive from God the revelation of his designs and love them with the incredible strength of the love it has received from him. And then he says, the soul knows that it is going to become Jesus, and it loves him with whom it is to unite himself. Not only does it permit itself to be chiseled and polished by the tools of the Holy Spirit, but it also strips itself of all that can impede its divine transformation. It places at the disposition of the artist its love and its desire for immolation. Whew, that's, that's a challenge. A lot. It's a challenge. I think to me, this is kind of where when we talk about prayer and fasting, mm-hmm. there's two kinds of prayer and fasting. There's mm-hmm. the prayer and fasting where I just decide to do it. And there's the prayer and fasting that I decide to do in order to let Jesus work through them to kind of strip away all of those things that are 
you know, impediments or, or areas where I'm really not letting him in so that, so that, you know, the Holy Spirit can do his work, right? And build Jesus or form Jesus in me. And sometimes that boundary or, or that line is hard to find. Like, am I just deciding to do this because I should and it looks pious and everybody yeah. else is doing it? Or am I deciding to do it, A, because the church maybe has called me to for a particular season, and B, in a way that truly I am allowing the Holy Spirit to use mm -hmm. for life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, this line too where it says, the soul also strips itself of all that can impede its divine transformation. Mm -hmm. That's um, like we're not meant to just like throw everything in our lives aside and just kind of like <laughs> lay there miserable and naked and like, well, here I am. I'm, there's nothing that can impede the divine transformation now. <laughs> like there's something Possibly of, nothing to help it either. Well, yeah, rid of everything. <laughs> yeah. There's there's something of um of freedom and of discernment that's required in that. Like what I may need to cast aside in order to let Jesus be formed in me mm -hmm. may be very different from what you need to cast aside in order right. to let Jesus be formed in you. Both because we're different materials. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have different sure. backgrounds, different weaknesses, different strengths, different loves, but also because we're being formed into different images of Jesus. Yes. Right? Like, we are not all carbon copies. Like, we're not all just Xerox facsimile. Like, you know, like, it's, we're not, we're not meant to be identical to one another because we're all meant to be Jesus. Jesus is, he's God. And, and insofar as he is God, he is infinite and has infinite facets. And we are finite and we can each be a finite facet. And so each facet of the diamond is completely unique yeah. from every other facet. So it's not somebody might hear like, oh, the, the Holy Spirit's really just trying to make us into Jesus. Well, oh, okay. Well, I'm just supposed to become this like cookie cutter. Yeah. Yeah. But no. And that's not it at all. No, it's not. I really love how, okay, as Martinez is kind of laying all of this down, he actually does clarify, which I really appreciated because he, mm -hmm. he talks about all of this stuff. He talks about St. Thomas of Aquinas. And then he's like, okay, not all souls need to know the nature of Christian perfection with the exactitude of a theologian. I love that he says that. Yeah. yeah. So just to make it clear, if some of this in terms of terminology or it's a concept you're grappling with, that is normal mm -hmm. for everybody, first of all. Mm -hmm. And also that has nothing to do with whether or not this is a gift offered to you that you can accept and attain, yeah. right? So he very clearly says, souls of goodwill, any soul of goodwill, in the simplicity of their faith, with the intuitions of love, which again come from the Holy Spirit, find their course with admirable precision and certainty, just as the bird with its marvelous instinct finds its nest more easily than a wise man provided with the best instruments could find it. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to have a PhD in theology. You don't need to understand every theological term that's dropped even from the pulpit right. in order to know that this, is, this call is true of your life. And I, I love how he actually goes on to list different saints, some of whom had a gift for that kind of theological nuancing and crazy vocabulary and even the creation of some of this vocabulary and some who really did not. Mm -hmm. And if you have our version of the book and you want to see the list, it's on page 98. But he 
he very specifically is kind of drawing out what you were saying, Sister Benedicta, that we're not meant to all look the exact same. We are meant to show all of the facets together of Jesus Christ. And he says, some souls are destined to reproduce the infant of the crib with childlike virtues. Others, Jesus of Nazareth, silent and contemplative. Still others, the apostle and master who teaches and comforts, consoles and saves. Then there are those who are to reproduce Jesus of the cynical, transfigured with love. Jesus of the tabernacle, loving and silence and mystically offering himself in sacrifice. Those too who are to reproduce the unutterable agony against the enemy, and others the bloody sacrifice of Calvary. But why continue? It is quite impossible to give all the ways in which the soul reflects Jesus. That's what he says. Yeah. And we will we will never be limited to just one way. No. But each of us will have one, especially ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, we'll go through seasons of, naturally, you know, we definitely all have had moments when we're more like the infant of the crib where we had childlike virtues and mm-hmm. we maybe had, um, we needed to be held and cared for. Yeah. And and that's good. And there will always be an opportunity for us to to teach or to comfort someone. And we will all have some sacrifice, some some suffering, something that we will offer with Jesus in the garden. Yes. But they're all going to look so different mm-hmm. and they're going to come at different times. And they're going to last for different durations. Mm -hmm. And one person's agony in the garden might for another person be just kind of like a stumble in the road. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't really compare those things. No. But the whole point is that they're united with Jesus. Right. That is so essential. And even, you know, when we look at our own life journeys, our own seasons in our own life, we're very linear thinkers uh-huh. as humans and some cultures more than others, mm-hmm. some people more than others. <laughs> but we all kind of fall into that idea of kind of falling into that progress trap, like every day has to be another step along the line towards the goal, which, I mean, we do want it to be, but things aren't always as linear as we would care for them to be. And I had a woman reach out to me on social media the other day, and she was talking about how she had drifted away from her faith. And was just starting to return. But she was kind of explaining how just because she drifted away doesn't mean or didn't mean that it wasn't quite real and fervent at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And she took the expression, oh, you know, when I'm older and wiser and reversed it. And she said, when I was younger and wiser. Mm -hmm. And I was so moved by that because she recognized that the Holy Spirit had given her the gift of wisdom in her youth. And for whatever reason, you know, life happens. We don't always respond perfectly. Who, Which one of us does? We're all sinners, right? Yeah. And she is at a point in her life now where the Holy Spirit is helping her to see that she kind of drifted away from that, that she kind of closed the door on that gift, but that it's still inside of her. And that's why she can even see this in the first place. And there's this song, I actually don't remember what it's called, but the refrain says, take me back Hold on, what does it say? Take me home, country roads? No. (laughs) That one I know. Take me back to the night we met. Mm. That is the refrain. Before all of this happened, take me back to the night we met. And I think sometimes I kind of go back and pray with that song in my own prayer life when I realized that there was something I had before, whether it was when I was a child, whether it was the day before that I lost the next day, Yeah, that I'm recognizing that either 
either I just don't feel it at the moment or I really did drop it or close the door on it. And I know that God did give me that gift, that the Holy Spirit is holding that gift for me inside. And I can ask for access to it again, even if I was the one who shut the door on it. Yeah, You know, he has the key to that door, even if I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm thinking like, I kind of feel like Martinez is almost giving, he doesn't spell it out this way, but I almost feel like he's given us kind of a three-step program Mm -hmm. in this chapter of first of, because, sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, But on page 98, he says, to discover and to fix its ideal, in other words, like to focus on it, each soul must seek to learn in what way God wants wants it to reproduce his son. Mm -hmm. It is of great importance for each one to find its own particular path and to determine its course. Okay, so so far we have that we don't need to be like great theologians, right? right? We don't need to know all of the... uh, intricacies of you know what the councils have taught about the trinity right that's not not necessary not that we don't want to know what we can know of course we do but we we do want to be catechized right and we do want to understand who it is that we're professing our faith in for sure but do we need to know all of the little nuances and all of the big greek words that go along with it probably not so so okay so he's kind of got this three-step program going like to discover the ideal to Mm -hmm. know who jesus is and to understand that that is who the Holy Spirit's making us into, but then especially to spend that time discerning what he says here is its own particular path and determine the course. Mm-hmm. So so to really spend the time saying, okay, Lord, how is it that you want me to resemble you? Right. You know? Um, in this moment, in my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular situation, in, right. these, in these hours when I'm working on this particular project, mm-hmm. like all of those things. To know that. But then also, like he talks about the marble and its willingness to be shaped. Yeah. Right? When when we're talking about the soul, not not real marble. But like <laughs> when he ta- when he's when he's giving that analogy of the soul as marble with a will, kind of, and the desire to be shaped, the where it says that not only does the soul permit itself to be chiseled and polished, but it strips itself of all that can impede the transformation, right? So mm-hmm. like so number one, ask knowing who Jesus is and asking him how I need to resemble him. Number two, stripping myself of everything that gets in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Would you have to know what the goal is before you can know what's in the way? Yes. Right? Like if I'm going to take this interstate to go somewhere, but the other interstate's closed, I don't actually care if the other interstate's closed, right? Like <laughs> it does not affect It you. doesn't affect me. Yeah. I don't need to remove that obstacle in order to get where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So, so just to be aware of like where we're headed what might be in the way and how to remove it. And then to place ourselves, what he says is passive under the intimate operations of grace. Mm-hmm. And he, he clarifies that this doesn't mean that we're idle or, or not free. Right. In fact, we're quite active and we're quite free because we have to be accepting of the movements of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So like knowing where we're going, knowing what gets in the way, and trying to remove them, not and not of our own power, <laughs> like asking the Lord to help us to figure out what those are and how to remove them, and then freely to submit to the action of the Holy Spirit to begin growing in virtue so that we can have the graces poured into our hearts like increased mm-hmm. 
so that we have better access to them so that we can grow even more in virtue so that we can look even more like that in gold. Like to me, this feels like almost a three-step program that he's kind of lined up here Yes, without really calling it that. I like that you're putting it as a three-step program because it kind of brings into the realm of practicality Mm -hmm. what he keeps repeating over and over in this chapter, which is, it's impossible to have a real devotion to the Holy Spirit without also being devoted to the Son and the Father, Mm -hmm. because this is accomplished truly as the desire of the Trinity, right? Mm -hmm. And I really like how he warns constantly throughout this chapter against self-comparison, like comparing yourself to another member of the body of Christ and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should be like that. He's like, no, 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 no. You are asking the Holy Spirit to help you see who Jesus is. You're supposed to be like that. And again, as you're saying, which aspect of that is he really in a particular way calling you to emulate? And he actually reminds us, I mean, because it's easy for us to say like, yeah, I know, but... And he actually just, he just pulls it out. I really love this chapter. It's also on page 98. He says, would the beloved disciple St. John have been able to follow in the footsteps of St. Paul? Mm. Like, would he have been able to? Not should he have. And he's basically suggesting, no, he couldn't have even done that. If Mm -hmm. he wanted to, he couldn't have. He would have failed because he wasn't meant to. Would St. Augustine and the first hermit, St. Paul, have traveled the same paths? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Do you think that St. Francis Xavier would have attained the same glory by following St. Joseph of Cupertino, (laughs) who had a very different, quiet, simple life? Mm -hmm. Teresa of Jesus is not Joan of Arc, and Gemma Galgani is not Therese of Lisieux. And praise God. Good, right? All the saints are admirable, but each is unique. In order to become holy, they all had to find their individual course. And I love how he points out that the Holy Spirit does help us find our own road. But within that, Mm -hmm. we are all united in the mystical body of Jesus. And he specifically says, and this is something I've actually struggled with in the past, not, or what does he say? Let no one believe that only great souls have their mission and their particular course to follow. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're thinking that, that's what he's saying to you. Don't think it. <laughs> also, all souls have both these things perfectly determined for them. And we're not talking about like predestination here. We're saying you're called to something. Mm-hmm. Not all have the spectacular hard mission of those like people that we call great saints, right? In the mystical body of Jesus... We are not all meant to be the heart brimming with love or the eyes aglow with the intimate light. Some will be the hands that bless, the feet that evangelize. Others will remain hidden by divine concealment, like the liver, you know? (laughs) It's really important. But all are members of that body and have a particular place and function. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I always struggled with that is because We know that when the Holy Spirit forms Jesus in us, it's not by halves, right? The whole Christ is coming to the whole person. So it's easy for me to look at someone who more perfectly exhibits one aspect of Jesus. Maybe it's the heart brimming over with love. And for me to say, I don't love love that deeply. Mm -hmm. And I want to. So A, we're seeing something true, first of all, that Jesus is being formed in us. His heart is infinite. He will continue to form his heart in us. We will learn to love deeper. That's great. But not to fall into the self-comparison of saying, is my mission to exemplify that love in the same way? Right. Maybe it's going to be a different way. 
Maybe right. it should be a different right. way. And in fact, we know it should be a different way. Yeah, it's not really a maybe. <laughs> it's because like Martina said. <laughs> he's already got it covered over there. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And two, um, I think something that's important to realize is the Holy Spirit does so much in such a hidden way that very often we ourselves are not even aware when he is doing something in and through us. Yeah, very true. It's actually, it's usually afterwards and you're like completely mind blown. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the <laughs> few times when, when somebody maybe does reach out and say, hey, this thing that you said really affected me. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't even remember saying it. Right. <laughs> you know, or maybe you're quite convinced you didn't say it, but mm-hmm. there was something about the way that you were present to that person that the Holy Spirit was able to speak to them a word that right. they needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And or they they heard it wrong and it was exactly right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you never know exactly how, how God's going to work with it. But but my point is that like. Sometimes the moments when I feel like I am the least holy, I am the most kind of far from the ideal or far from what I feel like God has called me to be, there have been things that have happened that reveal to me that like I am not capable of stopping God from working. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. actually the, the experience of suffering that I felt in that moment of feeling so far from God mm-hmm. did something in me. That was like a medicine that I needed for the next stage or the next journey. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, yeah, I love what you're pulling out. It's impossible to compare ourselves to each other. It's impossible to compare ourselves to our former self or to our yes. future self or the self that like exists only in our fantasy. Right. To be inspired, yes. Yeah. But to fall into comparison? No. No, because no, we never know exactly what the Lord's doing and we have to trust that he is working. He's not, he's, I can tell you for sure, one thing he's not doing is giving up on us. Yes. Yeah. I, I always really loved um, that line of the Gospels when, when Jesus is about to ascend. And it's like, it's like everybody went through this like double grief, right? Mm-hmm. They grieved, well, triple. They grieved him saying he was going to, to die when they realized that's what he was saying eventually. <laughs> <laughs> the 19th time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they grieved his death. And then they grieved how they reacted to his death. Mm-hmm. This is actually four times. And then they grieved the fact that he left again, mm-hmm. right? But in that, what does he say? I shall not leave you orphaned. Mm-hmm. And I love that because in that, he's automatically pulling out the father, right? Because it's not a brother that orphans us. It's a father. He's automatically pulling out that he's not actually going anywhere. I mean, physically he is, but actually he's not. Mm-hmm. And then he's pulling out that there's someone else coming who is like, just as he is the image of the father, like this is all part of the same mystery that we're still going to be able to see him. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And in fact, he says, it is better for you that I go. Right. Which is a really painful thing to grapple with on those moments where you're like, Jesus, I know you're here. I feel you're here. Mm-hmm. I really wish I could see you. Yeah. How could it possibly be better for me not to see yeah. you? Right. Yeah. How is that better? And I like that he knows exactly why it was better. Mm-hmm. And he lets us discover that through our own experience of the Holy Spirit in us, of the Trinity indwelling in us. And knowing that all of that is leading to an even greater fullness in heaven where we will be able to see him, but in a way much deeper because of this. Yeah. Okay, so I think 
Martinez does a really good job of wrapping this all together, again, under that title of the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus, when when he says, the Holy Spirit will show Jesus to them. He will glorify me. That's John 16. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus and reveal all his beauty. Mm. Again, uniquely in each of us, but this revelation of beauty. And he will present him to each soul accordingly as the soul is prepared to receive him. And under that aspect, which the soul must reproduce, what we're called to especially show, basically, is what he's getting at there. Mm-hmm. And in those mysteries in which it must share in a particular manner. I think I remember once one of the sisters asked me, oh, what's your favorite mystery of the Holy Rosary? <laughs> I had just entered the convent. <laughs> and I was like, do people have favorites of those? Oh, that's a very Catholic thing to ask. <laughs> and and I, I, it struck me as a little bit odd just because I, I almost felt like I shouldn't pick a favorite. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like somehow if I chose a favorite, it would be denigrating in some way all the other mysteries that Jesus lived <laughs> and that Mary was like walking with him through and that we're supposed to be praying with. But I have to say, I understand that better now mm. because it's not necessarily that I therefore value less the others, right. but that one speaks to me in particular. Right. Right. Or maybe a set or several of them from other, from different, you know, mystery yeah, and what should I say? And that's allowed to change. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's allowed to change given our circumstances, given um, you know what God is calling to in specific moments mm-hmm. or for specific people. Yeah, and that's actually really beautiful when we see different. We call them devotions to Jesus in different religious congregations, for example. Like some really focus on Jesus' Sacred Heart. Yes. Some really focus on Jesus of Nazareth. Right. Christ crucified, uh, baby Jesus. You know mm-hmm. all of those things. It's not because we are not equally honoring him Mm -hmm. in every moment of his earthly and heavenly life, but it means that in a particular way, something about that is reverberating in our own souls. And why, why is it, this is a really good question just to ask ourselves, why is it that the Holy Spirit is kind of drawing or attracting us to a particular devotion? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, even when I was discerning, when I discovered that there was an order that it was just like the whole Jesus, <laughs> Jesus master, like our rabbi, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus master, way, truth, and life. Everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's me. That That's me. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I can't pick, you know, like I'm just like every, all, all of it. Yeah. All of it, all of you. And it's not to say that someone who's devoted to the sacred heart specifically isn't saying all of you. Right. But there's something about the sacred heart that is revealing to them yeah. what they are called to meditate on, contemplate, reveal to others. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, is there something that you feel really attracted to by the Holy Spirit? And ask him why, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because, like, so many different religious orders will say, oh, well, we're just called to live the gospel. Well, I mean, everybody's called to live the gospel. And that's the, gospel. the thing. Like, like yeah. if you talk to a Franciscan, <laughs> they'll say, well, Franciscans just live the gospel. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay, but you still have an emphasis. Right. And naturally. if, you know, if you ask a Dominican, they'll be more nuanced about it. But they'll say something more like, they'll say something to the to the effect of, well, we're called to live the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but the Franciscans are called to live Jesus in his poverty in a particular way. Right. Dominicans are called to live Jesus in his teaching and preaching in a particular way. Mm-hmm. You know, so like. Okay, so this is true of like religious charisms of religious communities, but it's true of each of us, like exactly. each individual person, because even 
every Dominican is not called to preach in the same way that every other Dominican is. Right. Right. And every Pauline is not called to evangelize through media in the same way that every other Pauline is. Right. We all have different nuanced ways of living that. Mm-hmm. And and the truth is like, well, probably the Franciscan will say, well, I'm just living the gospel because they are understanding the gospel according to the charism that's been placed in their heart. Right. right which is, that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's really hard to flush out in vocabulary yeah. what that is. And actually, usually someone else has to say it for you right? because they see it. Right. But for you, it's just innate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and this idea of Jesus, master, way, truth, and life. So we talk about, for those, just in case people aren't familiar with the terms, we talk about imminent, God's imminence, right? It, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E, like imminence, like closeness, mm-hmm. his nearness. And his transcendence, his like bigness and farness and yeah. like all-encompassingness, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. So like God's imminence and God's transcendence. And when we talk about the master, it's a little bit more akin to to the sacred heart where it's like it, it's really his imminence, mm. his closeness, mm-hmm. his nearness. It's, you know, when he says like, I want you to be in my sacred heart, right? Like right. There, there's there's this closeness and this like tangibleness about him. Yeah, that's like there. we're sitting at his feet. Listening yes. and learning, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then there's also way and truth and life yeah. are pretty transcendent, <laughs> right? Like it's that's, the big It's stuff. his transcendence. It's mm-hmm. his bigness. It's his his power. Like, And so what I love about calling him Jesus Master, Way, Truth, and Life, which the two titles are not paired in the gospel. No. But, but we pair them. Yes. Is that it brings the two together. And mm-hmm. that's something that I really love. The devotion to the sacred heart does something similar because his heart can only be something that we can enter because of his transcendence. Right. Exactly. But there is an emphasis on the imminence. So like all of these different titles for Jesus are so beautiful because they do highlight something of how we're called to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And like, is he is he inviting us to look at his bigness? Is he inviting us to look at his smallness and mm-hmm. his nearness? Yeah. You know? And I think, too, even even when people are placed on our heart to pray for, we're always going to pray for them from a place where the Holy Spirit is inviting us even to contemplation in that. Yeah. Like sometimes if I'm praying for someone and I, and, and I either know from my own observation that the Holy Spirit has allowed me or if he's just really kind of infused something on my heart of like, this person needs this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm able to pray for that especially, that aspect of God especially for them, not because I'm not asking for all of God to be present with them, but because there is an aspect that either they haven't seen, that they're in need of of developing with him, or that they're particularly called to that they haven't realized yet, Yeah, you know? And I think that is really beautiful too, because sometimes it's not the thing that God is asking us to deepen for ourselves in that particular way. But he might still show it to us for another person. And and to me, that is such a beautiful example of how the Holy Spirit does hold, as you're saying, those two <laughs> A-plus words, as we would say in school, <laughs> imminence and transcendence, that the Holy Spirit, even sometimes for other people, can give us a glimpse into what God is calling someone else to in yeah. relationship with him. And only because he knows everything and he gave us just that one little glimpse for someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. So humbling. It is. And it's beautiful because it's like he draws us to himself through the way that he knows is going to most draw our hearts. Yes. So like 
the way that somebody else might be drawn to God might be almost kind of like baffling to me. Right, if it doesn't come naturally to you. Because my heart is different from theirs. Mm -hmm. And so God's going to reveal himself differently because he does use our natural desires and our natural gifts. And I think that's why it's good for us to know that if we come across the writings of a saint and they kind of rub us the wrong way, (laughs) that's okay. It's never happened to me. (laughs) I think because, because again, because of that, it's not that what they're saying is wrong, but they may, well, I mean, usually, I mean, you know, some saints were theologians, they were asking questions, and the the consensus that they came to was not what the church later revealed, right? There's that aspect of it. But in general, when they're writing about their own devotion, it's not that their devotion to God was wrong, but they may be expressing it in a way that just does not resonate with how we experience life, right? Because of who we are and who we're called to be. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And th- okay, this feels like it might be a little bit off topic, but it might not be too. Okay. Like <laughs> when you read the writings of a saint, Remember that they weren't a saint until they died, right? Like they didn't actually go to heaven until their death. And so everything leading up to that may or may not be part of their actual sanctity and their actual like sainthood, Mm -hmm. or it may just be part of their journey. Their journey to that. And it could be part of their wrestling that Mm -hmm. got them to that sanctity. So like, you know, they're... For example, St. Faustina, Mm -hmm. like I love the devotion to divine mercy. Yes. Beautiful. There are parts of St. Faustina's diary that I will meditate with over and over and over again, and I love it. Mm -hmm. There are parts that I struggle with and that if I if I wasn't careful, it could lead me to a particular kind of scrupulosity or sure. a kind of a kind of feeling like not good enough or not religious enough or not something enough, right? Sure. And that's not to say that like her scrupulosity was good, mm-hmm. but it's to say that Jesus spoke to her within it. Right. Yeah, because right. he was helping heal her of that too. Yeah, yeah. And that's something to celebrate. We're celebrating the healing of someone, not emulating the struggle necessarily, right. unless we actually do just have the same struggle, which is beautiful. Right. Saint Therese has a very similar point in her life. We have the benefit of she wrote her entire biography, so we see how the journey ended. Yes. But she had a huge phase of her life where, in her own fervor and her own devotion and her desire for Jesus, all of which were good, right? She did fall into scrupulosity, and it Mm -hmm. was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard to read that part of her story when you're reading Story of a Soul because if you yourself struggle with scrupulosity, it kind of feels like it's never going to end, and this is just where she ended up, and I'm doomed. Or (laughs) if you don't struggle with scrupulosity, it's like, I don't—where is this coming from? Like, it can be really hard to understand how she even got there and why she's thinking what she's thinking because— if you don't struggle with that, you already have a larger picture there, and it can be hard to figure out how someone even got there. But what I love in her story is that there's a place for both experiences. Mm-hmm. If you struggle with scrupulosity, you journey with her through that pain, and you see how she got out of it. Yeah, and and where it actually led her, which was a beautiful place because she was relying on Jesus to get her through that. Right, and if you don't scr- struggle with scrupulosity, it really helps you better sympathize and understand people who do and Mm -hmm. not to judge that, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's this beautiful interplay of how someone else's mode of expression or or experiences, though they may not be your own, can still enrich and inform you. Yeah. I was thinking like another example of 
reading the life of a saint or reading a saint's writings and like knowing that this isn't the way that I'm supposed to be following them, right, their example. Sure. Like maybe a more obvious one would be um, when St. Augustine said, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. <laughs> right? Like yes. just because a saint wrote that doesn't mean <laughs> that we emulate that, that we right. that we try to imitate that particular part of it. In fact, that was kind of his point. So, right. so like that that may be a little bit more of an obvious mm-hmm. example, but I think that it it helps to point to the rule that like just because this is something that that the saint is praying with right. or, or working on doesn't necessarily mean that's the part that I'm to hold on to, mm-hmm. but it's what was the heroic virtue? What was the point that most looked like Jesus? Yes. That's the part we're looking for. And what did Jesus work out of that? Yeah. Because I think I think that's an excellent example because it's so obvious and then we're mm-hmm. not all second guessing exactly what part. Like it's obvious, <laughs> right? Yeah. Lord made me chase, but not yet. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful part in that, okay, there's the desire for chastity. Right. That in itself is already a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. There's also this reality that he's struggling with that there's something about it that he likes. There's something about the way that he's living that he likes or he feels comfortable. Yeah. He's not ready to part with yet. There's a beautiful recognition of his attachment to right. the sin. Uh-huh. Right. He's yeah. attached to the sin. And he says he's saying it, just not in those words. And there's this beautiful part where we can step back and either we can say, wow, man, that was really honest. And look where <laughs> God got you from there. Yeah. Because God did grow in him the virtue of chastity yes all the more impressive because we saw really he was almost like addicted to this right like he really was attached to this sin but if we are someone who is in the same spot or if we are like right before that spot Uh a it gives us the courage to know that this prayer is possible that i can i can want something and not want it at the same time Mm -hmm. and then i can sift through those desires and actually peg but which is really of god yeah. And which will really make me whole. Yeah. Right? And if we're in that exact spot, it's comforting to know, okay, St. Augustine, yeah, this is kind of my prayer right now too. Mm-hmm. But look where God brought you to a new prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And too, like, okay, so maybe that prayer isn't the thing to emulate. Like, I right. don't, I don't right. necessarily want to turn to God and say, like, yeah, make me virtuous, <laughs> but not yet. But not yet. <laughs> I'm still kind of attached to it. Yeah. But what is good to emulate is that honesty. And mm-hmm. that's like kind of in, in that three-step program, like that's the second step, right? Like recognizing right. what's in the way and what do I need to do to get it out of the way? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, not only with myself, but with God too. Like it's, God can hear that. God can hear like, hey, God, I'm still really struggling with this thing. Mm-hmm. I need you to help me to get rid of it. Like help me to determine what is the thing that I'm saying not yet about? Yeah. What is the thing that you want to make me free from that I'm kind of like – pushing you away about and like slapping you down and and saying no 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 don't touch that i like it and help me to be free to give it to you yeah and i i think that i can't remember what chapter it was in but way back now when Mar- martinez is talking about you know that lyre with the different strings yes, <laughs> and the wind is blowing yeah. so i play the ukulele and the strings are gcea that's how you tune them there's only four because <laughs> it's a ukulele and it's so easy. The strings are all different tightnesses, right? Mm. And they don't always stay in tune at the same rate. So <laughs> at least on my ukulele, there is one string that goes out of tune the fastest. Mm. And I always tune them up. I have a little tuner because my ear is not the best. And so I know that everything is right on point. And then at some point when I'm when I'm strumming, I'm like, something, something, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong. But I'm not sure what it is. Is it the G? Is it the C? Is it the E? Is it the A? 
And then even when you know which one it is, is it sharp? Is it flat? Is it what's going on? Right. And I think our own (laughs) prayer can be like that, too. We recognize something is off. Mm -hmm. Not quite sure what it is. Or is it is it me? Mm -hmm. Or is it the instrument beside me that's off tune and it makes me think that I'm off tune? Like Mm -hmm. it can be really difficult. And, And just to step back and ask the Holy Spirit, like. Something is wrong, (laughs) and I'm not really sure what it is, but you know what it is, and you know what you want to grow in me, right? And you know what you want me to understand. Yeah. So can you please tell me? Yeah. And he does. I feel like that's a perfect challenge for this week. Learn the ukulele? Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) that prayer to the Spirit, just asking him to Mm -hmm. point out what are the things, what am I called to imitate of Jesus, what part of Jesus, what part of Jesus' heart am I invited to yeah. to make more present in the world? Mm-hmm. And what's in the way? Yeah. And what's in the way? And just kind of like, what does that do in your heart? And what does that, what does that move you to? And do you have kind of a St. Augustine, okay, fine, but not yet? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel invited to like really help allow the Lord to to help you to to be rid of the thing that's in the way? And just to be attentive to it and like kind of without judgment. Yes. Just to like freely hold it before the Lord, just in the same way as you would like show a doctor an injury. Right. Just like show him what it is. Ask him to explain it to you a little bit more. Ask him to um, reveal to you a little bit maybe of its roots and invite him to show you what the next steps might be there. And we will keep as a special intention, Sister Benedicta and I, as we close, leading us all together in the Chaplet of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we'll keep that in our intentions for you. That... You may have the ears to hear and the eyes to see whatever the Holy Spirit wishes to reveal to you in that prayer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For the gift of wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, Come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of knowledge. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, 
and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of fear of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of piety. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. And for the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. By myself, I can do nothing, but with God I can do all things. For the love of God I want to do all things. To him honor and glory, to me the eternal reward. Holy Spirit, 
vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus' Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge, no other wisdom, than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry, or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org Patreon. God bless you. Ba-dum,